Welcome to the Incoterms 2020 Rules Series by Trade Finance Global. Part 3. Free Carrier, FCA. One of the rules for any modal modes of transport. FCA requires the seller to load the collecting means of transport. The seller is not the importer, of course, that is the buyer's problem. And if there are any transit formalities of the goods going through another country in the meantime, then that too is for the buyer. Because remember, the goods have been delivered. My name is Apesh Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. And today we're here with Bob Renai, a member of the ICC Incoterms 2020 drafting group. Now in the third part of this series, we're here with Bob talking about the FCA or free carrier Incoterms rule. So, so now without further ado, Bob, what is FCA? FCA is a rather interesting catch-all freight collect rule. It means a free carrier. It's an advance on the, shall we say, ill-fated X-Works. It's what the vast majority of people who think they're selling X-Works actually do. FCA requires the seller to load the collecting means of transport. Well, that's logical because, of course, they're doing that in their own premises, typically. But there are two points of delivery in FCA. It's the only one of the 11 rules which has two options. One which is loaded, excuse me, one which is not unloaded. The loaded option is that the seller loads the collecting vehicle at their premises. Now, this would be very typical where they are packing a full container. The buyer's carrier or freight forwarder will arrange for a truck to bring the empty container to the seller's premises. The seller will then load the goods into the container, make sure they're correctly restrained, close the doors, put a seal or two on the doors, pat the door, kiss it goodbye, that's it. They have delivered. Even with the vehicle sitting in their dispatch dock, they have delivered. Theoretically, it could burst into flames at that moment. The seller has delivered. The risk is the buyer's. And with the risk being the buyer's, the buyer is obligated to pay. That's how a heck of a lot of export transactions occur. Or the buyer's freight forwarder turns up with a truck to pick up two pallets, three pallets, whatever, a few cartons, a couple of drums, and takes them to a container freight station, to a consolidator, or takes them to the airport. Nevertheless, the seller has delivered when the buyer's or the buyer's carrier's vehicle has got those goods on board. If they fall off the truck when the truck goes around a corner three blocks away, not the seller's risk. It is the buyer's risk. Now, the other option for delivery is that the seller arranges for the goods to be taken to the carrier's premises. And in this case, the obligation on the seller is simply to bring them to the premises, but the buyer's carrier must unload them. Clearly, again, the seller cannot roll up at a freight forwarder's premises or, or wherever and 
whip around with a forklift. It's not their role to do that. It's not their, uh, well, they're simply not permitted to do it. So the buyer's carrier must unload the seller's vehicle. So just repeating that, it's the only rule that has two options. One, that the goods are loaded onto the arriving vehicle, or two, that the goods are not unloaded from the seller's vehicle. The seller is now the exporter. The seller must carry out export formalities. The seller is not the importer, of course, that is the buyer's problem. And if there are any transit formalities of the goods going through another country in the meantime, then that too is for the buyer. Because remember, the goods have been delivered. The freight, of course, is arranged by the buyer. So that is freight collect or freight payable at destination. The insurance if any, is arranged by the buyer if they wish. There's no obligation on the seller to the buyer to insure the goods. There's no obligation on the buyer's part to the seller to insure the goods. An interesting change in the 2020 rules has been provision in B6 that if agreed in the contract, the buyer does something. Now, let me just go back for a moment, if agreed in the contract. That's always the case. The seller and buyer can agree on anything in the contract. There's freedom of contract. But the rule says, or the article says, if agreed in the contract or agreed by the parties, the buyer has to instruct its carrier to issue the seller with an onboard transport document, typically a bill of lading. This is the first time that we have a rule, an obligation on one or other of the parties to give an instruction to a carrier and there is no remedy available to the party if the other party's carrier fails to act. So if, for example, the buyer's carrier fails to issue an onboard bill of lading, the seller says to the buyer, hey, I haven't got a bill of lading, you've got a problem, and the buyer says, well, I did tell him, uh, there's no remedy. If the buyer's carrier issues a bill of lading to the seller, and the seller says, yes, that's nice, but I've got a letter of credit that I've got to comply with, and your bill of lading doesn't comply, can you make some changes, please? Well, does the buyer have to react to that? There is no contract between the seller and that carrier. Another problem then also is the concept of the onboard bill of lading. Remember, under FCA, delivery occurs either when the seller makes the goods available on the collecting vehicle at their premises or at the container freight station or other terminal of the warehouse or warehouse of the freight forwarder typically. Not unloaded. There is no obligation no time limit placed on the seller to put the goods on the ship. We're talking sea freight, of course. So conceivably, the buyer could issue a letter of credit through their bank. That letter of credit might state a latest shipment date, which unfortunately is either the same as the agreed latest delivery date or just a few days later. 
Now, anybody that's shipped full container loads and even LCL, less than container loads, will know full well they don't always go on the scheduled vessel or the booked vessel. The seller will know what the intended vessel is because to carry out export formalities, most countries want to know what the intended vessel is and the estimated date of departure. As far as the customs authorities go, they don't care when the seller handed the goods to the carrier. That is immaterial and not recorded anywhere in the customs system. What is recorded is when the goods exported. FCA works very well for road transport within Europe and the Central Asian landmass because the truck collecting the goods normally then, or often then, will take the goods to the destination in the other country and the export formalities are not a huge burden. They occur at the borders and on goes the truck. They are a problem, the concept is a problem with cross-ocean container shipments because the buyer sitting in another country half a world away is not overly concerned with when his carrier, his freight forwarder, has picked up the goods in the seller's country. He wants to know when the goods have been exported, which is his problem because it's not the obligation of the seller but it's just a mindset. FCA is having great problems gaining traction where cross-ocean container shipments are involved. And we're talking therefore outside Europe, possibly outside the North American context. In other countries, I am getting lots of reaction about this concept. With FCA B6's provision for an onboard bill of lading, there is another potential problem. If a letter of credit from the buyer or the buyer's bank requires an onboard bill of lading consigned to order and blank endorsed, that forces the seller to be named as the shipper on the bill of lading. Otherwise, they won't be able to blank endorse it. Unbeknownst to the seller, they are taking on extra obligations as defined on the back of the bill of lading. So, for example, uh, we'll go a little extreme, but they've got a discrepancy. The price of the product drops dramatically in the buyer's country, so the buyer decides he won't take the goods up, he will reject the discrepancy and walk away from the transaction. The container or containers are sitting on the wharf in the, desti or in the container terminal in the destination country. Guess who's paying for the demurrage and detention? The seller is. The seller would be wise, by the way, in, in circumstances like this, to try and take out insurance because the risk was the buyers. The point is the contract's collapsed, the contract is gone, and the seller still owns the goods and has the risk of loss or damage to them while they're in the overseas country. That can be a big problem, which a lot of people do not think of. Thank you very much, Bob. And I think it's very important to understand those key definitions and obligations, specifically around demurrage and detention with the FCA rule, and also around the importance of, of insurance and, and who needs to take that out. Look forward to hearing from you soon. 
Incoterms is a registered trademark of the International Chamber of Commerce, and this commentary supplements the ICC Incoterms 2020 rulebook, which can be purchased through your local ICC branch or online. Rules on the correct usage of the trademark can be found on the ICC website. For more information on Incoterms, visit tradefinanceglobal.com.